0: You're listening to the Pigskin Cafe, a podcast covering the wild world of college football. On tap for today are hot takes, controversy, and analysis on your favorite team. Pull up a seat, and your host, Hampton Sipper, will be with you in three, two, one.
1: And we're back. Welcome into the Pigskin Cafe. My name is Hampton Sipper, and I'll be your host this evening, talking a little college football coaching carousel. And who better to do that with than the correspondent at large himself, Graham Haney, the Reddit extraordinaire himself, who usually sticks to the NFL pod, joining us tonight, Mr. Chase Haney, and making his glorious return, Big Papa Shep Auburn. How's it going, man?
2: Man, I'm glad to be back. I'm alive. I'm coming with the hot takes. Um, You know, really, I I guess I've been down and out ever since Dan Mullen's wife quit kissing players. It just really, really put a damper (laughs) on things.
1: Well, she did no way to brighten people's day. That is for sure. Um, But uh, we're glad to have you back and glad um, you can talk a little college football carousel with us. But before we do that, Let's give a quick shout out to our guys over at Play Action Pools and go to the leaderboard. Graham, you are at number one. You were yes, in first sir. place with 95 and a half points. Kyle is right behind you. My dad is tied with Kyle um, at 94 points. Um, and then I am behind him at 83. Not a great week for your boy. And right behind me is Sam Gilmer. Uh, so go you know, follow play action pools and support. All that they, the great work that they're doing, we appreciate them for hosting this Pick'Em this year. We've had a ton of fun with it, so um, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out with the college football season winding down and the NFL uh, year with about five games left. So uh, shout out to them, go follow them, and uh, we appreciate them very, very much. And guys, let's get in to the craziness that is college football right now. So we're in the middle of championship week. We've got championship weekend coming up this Saturday, playoff racing set, um, a lot to kind of unfold, a lot to sort out. But I cannot remember a crazier 72 hours in college football than the past 72 that we have had. So, you know, we had the Alabama-Auburn game. We had Bedlam. We had, you know, the game, Michigan-Ohio State. And we thought that was an incredible day of college football. Then Sunday said, hold my beer or maybe hold my grape juice, you know, if you're doing communion. And um, it got even more wacky. Um, (laughs) Did that
0: one one land like think it was (laughs) going to land?
1: Well, it was all good until I said Sunday hold my beer. (laughs) (laughs)
3: here's what i'm thinking i'm thinking uh a lot of people you know iron bowl rivalry week they were holding their bill on saturday and uh if they were able to like get out of bed sunday morning then maybe they could take the grape juice but uh yeah man what, what a day
1: what a day um but <laughs> it started out um you know i believe saturday night with you know reports confirming Lincoln Riley going to LSU. But then we get the news on Sunday that he is ditching Norman. He's going to USC. Yesterday, we find out Brian Kelly is going to LSU. On Sunday, we also learn that Billy Napier is going to Florida. Um, so there's three monumental coaching hires, coaching shakeups that have happened across the country. Um, I don't think I'm missing any um, other big-time hires off the top of my head, Um, but Shep, since you are joining us for the first time in a while, I want to start with you, man. What do you make of the movement across the college football landscape, and who do you think, which school ultimately had the best hire, in your opinion?
2: Oh, see, um, I think that's a tough one. I think there's um, really, when you look at the landscape of college football, in my opinion, um, the the greatest move that was made, um, and arguably the safest move um, that was taken, was probably Lincoln Riley to USC. Um, I think it it gives him an opportunity to live in a place that he's recruited heavily, um, that he's really getting most of his recruits from Southern California. It allows him to live in a place that has some excitement, some action. I mean, the bonuses that he has with his contract itself is just absurd. I mean, like a million dollars in ho- sold homes, $6 million in, in a home in Los Angeles, and then private jet. I mean, you can't can't really compare with that. and To get away from the possibility of having to play in the SEC every week, um, I think is something that's huge. I think it's huge that Alex Alex Grinch went with him. Um, So it's really – I mean, it's really going to be Oklahoma at USC. And let's be honest, like, is the Pac-12 as good as the Big 12? Probably not. So I think it gives him a a clear shot and a clear future into – the college football playoffs and really just allows allows itself I would say a little more freedom in the sense of recruitment because I mean how many times are you going to turn down USC um, to go to Oklahoma when NIL's out and California can basically offer you any kind of money you could you could want I think that is that is the biggest move I think that's the easiest move and the best move Um, And then thinking about like the landscape as a whole of college football and coaches, I I think it's I think it's more so opportunity Um, and like Brian Kelly, for instance, I think him moving to LSU is more so opportunity to say, hey, I am a good coach. And it's not just, hey, I've been at Notre Dame and I'm an independent, but I can win at a different school. Um, so I feel like that's kind of the thought for many, many people isn't necessarily, hey, I I need 10 years, a hundred million dollars. I think it's more so, hey, look, this place can offer me more money for an assistant coach. Um, this place can allow me easier recruiting, um, better recruits. And I don't I don't think it really boils down to facilities nowadays or really even. Any any allegiance to a school, I think it's just kind of what what comes at you and what offers you the most amount of um, really freedom to kind of control your team, control the 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 football program, and kind of just take an approach on who you want, what you want, when you want, and how you want it. I would say is kind of the the biggest thing that I feel like is changing within college athletics as a whole.
1: Yeah, I think. You hit um, all the appropriate points. I think you made um, a great case for Lincoln Riley going to LSU. I happen uh, to pretty much agree with everything you said and that he may end up being the best hire of all. But, Chase, what? who do you think uh, was the best hire so far in this coaching carousel? And little birdie tells me you've got a story to tell about one of these uh, head coaching candidates. Hmm.
0: I was gonna go with that coach, but I think that's who Graham's probably gonna go with. So I'm gonna, I'm actually put a pin in this, guys. I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna do, talk about somebody that I'm not sure if y'all even know this. So, can you guys tell me who went second in their division of their conference under an interim head coach? Does anybody know
1: who went second in their division?
0: Yeah, of their conference with an interim head coach.
2: This year was it Ed
1: Orgeron yeah, at LSU, or was it Ed no, Orgeron at USC?
0: Mm-mm, this year, this year, his name is Jake Dickard for the Washington State Cougars, and I'm going oh. to give one of my one of my CLs here, uh. Carter Finley. I, I'm not saying that this guy is a slam dunk, but I mean the circumstances that he came into. I mean. At the end of the season, guys, they beat Washington 40 to 13. I'm not going to sit here and say that Washington was a good football team this season. No. They beat Arizona. They cut it close against Oregon. That's the top that they're ranked number 10. They beat Arizona State. They cut it. They lost to BYU by two points, beat Stanford. They beat Oregon State. That that coach, Oregon State's uh, head coach, just got an extension. They beat Cal. They beat. uh, They lost to Utah by 10. They got smoked by USC. I think that's definitely like the. circle on the on the calendar. They just got smoked. And then, guys, I mean, they lost to Utah State by three points. Every game they played was pretty much close or they won. They were uh second in the Pac-12 North. And I, I, I want to just kind of shine a light on maybe a conference and a, a coaching hire that maybe no one else is out there talking about. Um, This Jake Dickard guy, I think that he came over from their D.C. to be their head coach. And uh, there's tons of things, tons of coaches to talk about. I mean, we've still got, you know, the LSU hire. we got tons of these hires and still some to go on. But I think this is one of those sneaky ones where this was the team at the beginning of the season where the coach wouldn't get vaccinated and they ended up having to let him go. And this guy steps into a difficult situation. And I would call this more than a success. And uh, he went from being the interim to the full-time head coach. So I I wanted to shine a little bit of light on someone that I figure no one else is really touching on. And I know you guys will probably get to some of these bigger names, but uh, yeah, watch out for Jake Dickert and, uh, Maybe he's got something that he's going to uh, welcome Lincoln Riley over to the Pac-12. So uh, this is a program that's kind of known to, to have off years but then bounce back really, really strong and have some upsets. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what what this uh, team does going forward. So, um, yeah, Jake Dickard for the uh, Washington State Cougars. What do you think about that, Hampton?
1: Chase, you threw me a curveball, brother. Great. You like that? Great stuff. I really – did I like that? Are you asking me like I'm Kirk Cousins? I love that, man. That was um, really good because it was out of left field. um, And I think it was a great point by you. They've done um, really well this year. And I know Washington in a good team. They fired their coach and Jimmy Lake. But they hadn't won the Apple Cup in a long, long time. Long time. Um, So that broke a streak. I mean, Mike – I don't think Mike Leach um, even won – uh, the apple cup while he was at washington state or if he did he did it um very sparingly so um absolutely love that man graham um tell me who you think um nailed their coaching hire uh this go around
3: is, is the arts gonna leave me with this like the biggest shakeup to me it, it, i mean it's the biggest surprise i've probably ever seen in college football and that's brian kelly going to lsu I mean, when you, when you think at when you think of it, you know, middle of Sunday, you, the rumors are that Lincoln Riley is going to USC, and the you know reports are that LSU had offered him you know the Brinks truck to come to Baton Rouge and be the head coach at LSU, and he turned him down, and so for a brief sp- a brief spend of time, everyone was thinking, man, LSU has struck out again. This is the second time they've struck out. You know, a few years ago, whenever they uh, ended up hiring uh, Ed Orgeron, the guy that they were going after was Tom Herman, who uh, ends up becoming the head coach at uh, at Texas. And um, obviously, yeah, we don't know how the circumstances have changed, but uh, you know that that didn't seem like a big you know swing in the miss as of now. But at the moment, it was like, man, LSU's a great program, and people are just passing it up. And LSU is able to pull away the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, Brian Kelly, and to me that that just that just speaks to the athletic department, the potential the LSU has that a coach would leave the place where he has won more games than anywhere else, than anyone else. Excuse me, a place that if stuff happens right this weekend, Notre yeah. Dame could be in the playoff. And he is leaving that to go to a team that is, um, you know, I guess a rebuild sort of in LSU. Uh, LSU yeah. has the talent, but the results on the field didn't translate that talent. And so y- things have to change between um, the old regime and Edo and the new regime and Brian Kelly. But to me, that has to be the best hire. And the fact that, when everyone had lost all hope, when they felt like the, uh, the, you know, the matter just been, you know, ripped out of them and there was nowhere to go. They steal Brian Kelly away from Notre Dame. I think that has to be, I mean, honestly, the biggest surprise that I've seen in college football in a home run hire. a, uh, I'll, I'll, talk about a different guy now. And this is just oh, a quick, we're
1: going to go two for one. Are we Graham?
3: I, hey, I'm doing two for one. Uh, I think that another team that just really did a good job on their hire was uh was TCU. And I, I do that to say that they got Sonny Dykes from SMU and to me that just seems like a seamless transition. Like you didn't like, you know, Gary Patterson had been there for 20 years, and you know, it was obviously kind of time for him to, you know, hit the road and for somebody new to come in. I think Sonny Dykes did a great job at, at SMU and was seamlessly transitioned to TCU, same area. And, uh, you know, and will be successful there. And so those are the two guys that I think uh, were, you know, two teams that, you know, really did a good job. They didn't, um, you know, overthink their hires. They they saw what was in front of them and they made the best guy, uh, their head coach that they could. Hampton, I want to hear your picks, man. Uh, We've talked about Lincoln Riley and uh, this seemingly unnamed, unknown coach. Uh, Jake Dickard from Washington state. <laughs> <laughs> th- then we have Brian Kelly going to LSU. And I mentioned just, uh, you know, I-, I mentioned this guy, uh, Sonny Dykes going to TCU. Hampton, I want to hear like your thoughts on, you know, all those guys, you know, what what do you think of our thoughts? And, uh, you know, tell me what, what you think, who made the best hire this off season?
1: Well, I'm, I'm with you on the TCU hire. I think that was yeah. a really good hire by them. And I liked SMU going out and getting Rhett Lashley yeah. to be their head coach. I think that was hey, a
0: good dude. hire. Go ahead, yeah. Chase. Did, did you did you see the video? the video? I heard about the video whenever he got introduced. Did you see or hear about that? I did not. Tell me about did, it. And that, so, so Jeb was actually telling me that whenever he got introduced, they kept like, like he was talking, they would like pan to the players and they weren't really excited. I I, t- t- I mean, I'm convinced that I would be really excited as a, uh, I mean, as, as a player. Why, like, why would you be excited if you're sitting at SMU's room and they're introducing this new head coach? To, like, I guess kind of sell the audience on why they should be excited. I thought this was a great hire. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, I think he's done a really good job at Miami the past few years as an offensive coordinator. Um, He did well, I believe. um, He was the offensive coordinator at SMU under Sonny Dykes before he went to Miami, and he did really well there. Set all types of records. Um, And after he kind of, I mean, he did well at Auburn too. Um, Now, whether or not he was actually calling the plays or not is uh, (laughs) another story for another day. First couple of games of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Typical. Um, For, yeah, first but, couple um, drives. Yeah, even better, Shep. Um, I, I think but, you, you know, I think
3: you just mean practice. Is that what you're is that what you're
1: talking about? No, yeah. we're talking about spring a game. game. Not practice. Spring game. Um, yeah. yeah. But no, he did well at SMU as an OC, did well at Auburn, and then at Miami, you know, they've been dealt a tough hand this year. Dear King gets hurt, and that Tyler Van Dyke kid has been apparently um balling. And I think that's directly attributed to the job Brett Lashley has done. So good hire by them, uh, by the SMU Mustangs as well. But um, quick note on Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly. Lincoln Riley, um, I think, I mean, I think that's a home run hire for USC. He's going to be able to recruit really well. Um, Now, Lincoln, we weren't born yesterday. Don't give me the narrative that you were not thinking about this job until after the Bedlam game and you knew nothing about it.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: That is an absolute farce. I mean, I've got a pasture to sell you in Arizona oceanfront property if you want me to believe (laughs) that you hadn't been thinking about this for at least nine months when all your 2023 recruits, especially offensive skill guys, were from the state of California. They were all West Coast guys. So I don't buy that. But USC made a good hire. He'll kill it in the Pac 12. He totally dug the SEC, but I can't say I blame him. Okay. So that's my take on Lincoln Riley. Go ahead, whoever um, is it, going to chime in.
3: It, it was uh, it was me. I was just going to, you know, you were talking about, uh, you know, you didn't believe Lincoln Riley did this in a day. I mean, I don't know anybody in the world that would give out like $100 million in like three hours. You know, like if you're going to talk that much money, it's going to strangers. Take, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're right. But <laughs> sorry, there, there, I had to throw it in there. <laughs> well, let's there, get
2: 12 short stops.
3: There's uh, you know, th- there's more conversation that goes into it than just says, you know, USC said here, we'll give you a hundred million dollars and Lincoln Riley just signs the check. I mean, obviously there's negotiation there and that doesn't just happen over, you know, a text thread and, you know, in 30 minutes, you know, that takes, that has to take some time. Um, so whether they were officially negotiating, um, you know, for weeks, I doubt it, but there was probably back channels open, um, knowing that Lincoln Riley was, uh, open to change.
1: Well, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I mean, this tweet says it all. Lincoln Riley, the first time I spoke with USC was very early Sunday morning. So, USC and Lincoln negotiated the purchase of three houses and a private jet use within 12 hours, along with the details of his contract. Yeah, that makes sense, but. Um, I can I can kind of get on him and Brian Kelly for that matter for how they've handled the transition, how they left people in the dark and kind of left you know in the night. Um, I don't think they've handled themselves very much or shown very much commitment to the teams that they mm-hmm. were coaching. Um, so you know that's another diatribe for another day.
0: Let me let me can I hop in for a second?
1: Hold on, Chut. Yeah, hold on, just a Man, I'm thought. gonna. Yeah, I'm going to give my thought on Brian Kelly really quick. Um, I thought um, good hire by LSU as a football coach. I think um, the guy's done a really good job at Notre Dame. Um, You know, tough academic requirements. He's recruited well. Um, They're always a tough physical team, always develops a good offensive line. Um, And I think he'll do well at LSU. I'm a little worried about the fit. The guy doesn't really seem – like a Louisiana type football coach, and they're weird. That Cajun culture that fit that means something down there, and I just don't know how he's going to fit. Um, especially, and you talk about Lincoln Riley handling how he left bad, Brian Kelly on a whole nother level when he talks about his limitless love for his players, but sends like a group text out, Oh, I'm sorry you found out through the media, not through me. Um, didn't tell any of his assistants, so. Um, And talking about a picture that didn't – of players that didn't look happy for him to be there when he (laughs) – LSU put out a tweet earlier um, of him introducing himself to the team. And they looked – they did not look thrilled. I'll just say that. They looked uh, uh, pretty upset by the news. But I think he'll do pretty well there. Um, I just – I'm interested to see kind of how he recruits um, and really how he fits down. In Louisiana, but Chase, I want to hand it off to you because uh, you had something to say about Brian Kelly. But after you're done with that, I think we need to talk about one of the other coaching dominoes that fell this weekend.
0: Yeah, totally, man. I, and I think that's great analysis on your part. I think that uh, one thing uh, we we've kind of talked about this. I think just in our like just in our friend group, man. Of like, well, I think that I would argue that there might be a right way to leave a program and leave the players that you recruit. I, I get all that. But I don't know if there's a good way to do it. I think there's a right way. I think there's a, you go in front of them, you tell them first. But I don't think, I don't think that's a, a, an easy conversation. And I really wonder at the end of the day if it's almost like, hey, look, I, I'm not going to be here and you're going to be mad at me either way. Like there's some respect lost, but you're not even going to be like around those players. And and I get how that's dirty, but again, I think there's a right way, but I don't know if there's a good way. Graham push back on that. What, what do you think? If you're a head coach and you just get a new, I mean, we're, we're talking about how quickly some of these contract negotiations have gone down where it seems like you hear the rumor and within 30 minutes, I mean, they've got a name on the dotted line. How, how are these coaches supposed to, like, what's the expectation? What would you do if you just got a job signed your name how do you let your players know? I mean, I feel like there's a right way, but is there a good way to do it?
3: Yeah, I think you're right on that chase, but to me, I think that mentality's, you know, 5 years old, 10 years old. It's it's in the past. It is when college football was completely different. In the fact that coaches would leave programs, yet the players that they recruited would be stuck there and couldn't leave. But now you look at it in the, you know, transfer portal is, I mean, True free agency of college yeah. football, and if your coach leaves, then you—I mean—you enter the transfer portal and you're playing somewhere else next year, like you just got recruited by somebody else. So I think there—you know, there should be—you know—an honorable way to do it. And the fact that you know respect is lost when you send it over a text, but in you know at the end of the day, a breakup's still a breakup, whether you do it through a phone call, through a text, through social media, or in person. Like the there it still hurts. It still is, um, you know changing you know the leader of these cultures and these programs and you know for players that's not always easy to uh handle uh there are several places um that it is easy when you obviously know like okay this coach is going to something that's better and you know good for him there's no like love loss for that but you know in today's time you know some of these players that they truly loved you know brian kelly you know they could leave tomorrow and go to lsu and be on scholarship and so uh, you know, I think that, you know, th- you know, years and years ago, it was the, you know, I can't believe he just sent a text to his players because now they're stuck there with whoever Notre Dame picks next. But now it's the fact that like, okay, like let's just, you know, let's just break it, let's just break up, let's break it off, and let's just start tomorrow. Let's just do something different tomorrow. And uh with the you know, modern day college football, that is uh what players can do, what coaches can do, and I mean, I, I hate to say it, but the the loyalty to schools is at an all time low. I mean, people yeah. are leaving just at you know at a, a flip of a switch, they're out of here.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that I mean, I, I think this is one of those scenarios where it just might be easier to ask for forgiveness rather than permission. <laughs> and um, I, uh, I again, I don't know what I would do if I was in this situation. Um, I think that you do lose a lot of respect whenever you you go out like the way that. uh Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley. I think that you lose a lot of respect, but at the end of the day, the results the same. I think within a year, um, we, we somewhat remember this, but it, it's more about like if he goes to USC and he goes to LSU and he wins football games, that seems to solve a lot of problems. And I, I want to tell you guys a, a short story. Um, I, I think that a lot of people have this perception, and and I, and Hampton, maybe you can, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually bring you into this because I think oh. that Brian Kelly often has this, uh, like he's this, I don't, I don't know the right word for it, but kind of this class act of a head football coach. <laughs> yeah. Can you kind of maybe talk about like, like, is that, am, am I perceiving that correctly? Cause I feel like most people feel like this guy's like a good guy, good person. Like, where do you think that kind of came from? Cause I want to tell a story that I think I got a little dirt, um, digging through Reddit and uh, where, where, first of all, where do you feel like that kind of comes from? Is it just kind of perception or is there an, is perception reality or what I, do you think?
1: I think it's the Notre Dame, yeah, shine. You know, Notre mm-hmm. Dame's a Catholic school. Um, and I think you know, the connotation of the head coach of Notre Dame, you think of a stand up class sat guy, but as an Alabama fan who's followed you know, who followed the sport. And have you know Alabama's played Brian Kelly a couple times uh, throughout um, his tenure at Notre Dame. I can tell you that is not the case, and that mystique that maybe the general college football audience has that is not factual. Um, and I think um, you can probably provide greater detail as to why.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that I can. And Graham, give me, give me, um, let the listeners know. When you hear the name Matt LaFleur and Robert Sala, what are they currently doing right now?
3: They yeah. are NFL head coaches. NFL Making head coaches. Boom.
0: At this time, let's go back a little bit. At this time, Hampton, do you know the story? I do. Yeah, yeah I saw yeah, it this it, morning. Yeah, and I think that it's worth bringing up. It, it, it's because I think that those Notre Dame helmets shine pretty bright, but uh, I don't know if this if that necessarily applies to Brian Kelly. So, um, when Matt Lafleur and Robert Sala were down, and uh, they were grad assistants during this time, and they were working for Brian Kelly when he was the head coach at Central Michigan. Mm-hmm. Now, fellas, I know that we got some some big partiers here in this call right now. I Come mean, on. <laughs> <laughs> but they get they thought that they were invited to a party over at the head coach's house. I mean, who wouldn't go, especially this time of the year? We've been invited to Christmas parties. You know, you Mm -hmm. put it on your calendar, you go, Kelly, Brian Kelly makes them, when they show up, instead of showing up to a party, he makes some shovel snow all night instead because they're grad assistants, almost like they're like pledges. And the tweet that uh, Trevor Woods puts out just says, Brian Kelly is not a good person. (laughs) And I'm not here to, to judge this man's salvation. That's not my role. (laughs) <laughs> but I think that they're, they're, we need to kind of be realistic about, man, some of these dudes are just scumbags. They're good football coaches. But there's a level I think that almost all of them have of this, like, scumbag mentality. And and I kind of wanted to just kind of maybe pull back the curtain a little bit because I think some of us think that – and this might be true, you know, in three years, that uh, Brian Kelly – is like this clean cut guy and he's not going to be able to like really fit in down an LSU because like LSU is kind of like, like, I mean, you think about new Orleans, I think about like dirty, gritty, like, like voodoo, all this kind of stuff. And maybe we can pull the curtain back on, Hey, this guy's not as nice of guys. I think that maybe all of us perceive, but Hampton, you kind of, you, you kind of know that, like you've known that story that I just told. It's not something that has just come out, but Mm -hmm. I don't know, I heard you talk about maybe fit with Brian Kelly. You want to speak just a little bit more about that, about like what specifically about his character doesn't line up with maybe the Louisiana culture? Because I think you do still have a point there.
1: Well, I like some of his handling of situations, like talking with the press, like if y'all remember after the first game this year, he said something, he like joked about like,
3: Killing all his players? Killing
1: all his players, yeah. And he was like, oh, it's a John McKay quote. I just said it in jest. I'm like, well, your delivery sucked. Um, (laughs) I mean, like, that type of thing, along with, you know, the man has no swag. I mean, he comes down the (laughs) lane at LSU and has orthopedic Dr. Scholes looking shoes on. (laughs) Hampton, um, get all this
0: new shit. <laughs> that's horrible. Well, I mean,
1: doggone, he looked like he was going to Sunday church or like the the um, uh, billiards club down at the... He just got out of mass, town. bro.
2: What do you think?
3: Hampton, <laughs> uh, no, uh, no we, we can't let Hampton slide away with it. He, he said that like, he was dressed up like he was going to church or coming home from a billiard hall. Like, what is that?
2: I mean, Hampton, <laughs> you can't get mad at the man. We know you still wear wallabies. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, for yeah, for sure. I, I still have wild bees. I even know they made those anymore. Um, but not like for real. The the clothing thing I don't think has an effect, but I think his handling of players, um, and he's just not a charismatic guy. Like he's very um matter of fact and more you know, more so than that. And I know all that's like superficial schematically, I think he's going to have to alter his offensive approach because he's very much a a pro-style guy, run the football, 12 personnel, two tight ends, um, not – you know, he's never really had a playmaker at quarterback um, that is just, you know, kind of transcendent or anything like that, Um, and I think to compete in the SEC – He's going to have to elevate or maybe adapt a little bit with that. Um, I know he's going to get more talent being at LSU naturally, um, and that will help him. But also he hadn't played um, near the grind of a schedule that, um, you know, a team in the SEC plays. I mean, Notre Dame, other than – I saw a crazy thing. Other than, like, Cincinnati, I think all the other teams they faced were, like, two of them were 6-6. and Um, and then the rest were like, you know, six wins or less. I mean, that's just – that's not a league competition. In the SEC, you're going to be going up, you know, against the best week in and week out. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how he responds to that and kind of um, how he meshes down there. But I want to talk – transition a little bit and talk about who we think Notre Dame and Oklahoma are going to hire – uh, to fill the you know vacancies of Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley, uh, respectively. But I want to give a quick thought on Billy Napier being hired at Florida. Um, I think this was a good move by Florida. Billy Napier's bided his time. He's been patient, um, and he's done an incredible job at Louisiana. He's recruited well. I know think he knows how to build and manage a program. Um, I think this is a really good hire by Florida. But if you compare it to the other two or three. Um, It's not the splashiest, but maybe in the long term, um, you know, it may work out best for them. I just don't know um, from a recruiting perspective. I don't know if he has the cachet um, or the status to kind of be or had the type of pool that, you know, a Brian Kelly or a Lincoln Riley has. So that's kind of my thoughts on Billy Napier. But, uh, Chase, I'm going to go to you. Um, Who do you think – Notre Dame and Oklahoma should hire, and then give your quick thoughts on uh, Billy Napier before we get out of here.
0: Yeah, man, I think I think the Napier hire. I think it's a, a solid double. Um, good, good way run. of putting it. it. It's it's not a home run, um, but I think right now, dude, they're looking for somebody who can just be consistent, dude. I, I think that realistically, if they had a guy in there who could could. I don't know, maybe go six and six and then go, you know, eight and whatever, eight and four, whatever it is. I think that they'd be pretty happy just to see their program maybe even go steadily in the right direction. They've just had so much inconsistency down there. And uh, honestly, I, I think Florida's too good of a program for them to kind of go through what they've been through. So it'd be fun to see them kind of get back on track. But uh, you said, uh, who'd you say, Notre Dame? And who, who was the other one? Um, Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Um. Man, I hadn't put much thought into the Oklahoma one. Maybe you guys start talking, and I might, I might uh, have something. I, for real, I, I think that they were talking about Notre Dame's. D- no, 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 no. They were talking about Clemson's DC. Correct. Brent Venables. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've heard his name a lot, uh, Graham. I might put a pin in that. And let you talk about him. But uh, let let me get let me guys. I'm gonna actually tell you who's gonna be the Notre Dame head coach. You all ready? Tell it, tell it. Jake do Go tell this, it this on the what, mountain, baby. I, I, I got I gotta I gotta set this one up a little bit, fellas. So I think this is what's going to happen. I think Oklahoma State beats Baylor in the Big Twelve Championship. Much of that hurts me, I think they beat them. And this this is I got to, I This is how I got to set it up. So I think they beat them in the Big Twelve Championship. I think that they bump Cincinnati out. I think uh, they add out, out of the playoffs. I think I think that Oklahoma State gets in. I think that Luke Fickle says this is the best that I've done, you know, two years back to back. I still can't get in. This Notre Dame job is calling my name. They're offering me, they want somebody who can recruit up there. I think that they hire Luke Fickle. And I Mm. think that's exactly how it goes down is that he just cannot, like you could go to Notre Dame and automatically be in the conversation. Like they kind of already are, but you have the name recognition to get in. So I think that it's, I think it's Luke Fickle at Mm. Notre Dame. I know he he keeps saying he's going to stay there, but I just, I don't, I don't see, I mean, is he going to wait for Cincinnati to go to the big 12 and then like, that's when he's going to make his run or does he have to always kind of like go undefeated? Like, I just, I think that there's an easier path. I think there's more money to be made, more money to spend on assistance, but uh, I don't know. Graham, what do you think, what do you think about, uh, what do you think about Oklahoma? What do you, who do you think, who do you think goes there?
3: I'll tell you the guy that, Should be there. It's already there. I think Bob Stoops. I mean, yeah. Just talking about like crazy. Like this guy's literally commentating college football, and the coach leaves, and they set up the ex coach as the interim coach. Like they already kicked this guy the curb once. But Bob Stoops is like that pride of Oklahoma. Like he's not leaving for anything else. And that's the reason why I think that he'll be the next coach there is because they they kicked him to the curb and they hired Lincoln Riley because they said, you know, this is our guy for the next 15 years. He's a young up and coming guy, great recruiter. You know, he's going to change our program. And Lincoln Riley did great. But Oklahoma doesn't like to get broken up with. So what are they going to do? <laughs> they're going to go back to the X where they already left. So they know Bob Stoops ain't going to break up with them. So they're going to go back to Bob Stoops. And I think that is, uh, you know, to me, that, that's not a, a 10-year solution, but that's like a good five-year solution to, like, calm the nerves of Oklahoma. Because right now everything's going crazy. Like, everything's going bad for Oklahoma. Lots of decommitments, uh, prospects going to, uh, you know, decommitting and you know, we'll go be going to USC with uh, um, Lincoln Riley. Several players already entered the transfer portal, so they need somebody to come steady the ship, and I think that guy's Bob Stoops. Uh, and I think that's why they put him in there is because they said, you know, Bob, we need somebody that can calm the storm right now, and I think Bob will calm the storm and will keep Oklahoma moving, especially in their way to the SEC. So I think Bob Stoops will be the next head coach Uh, at at Oklahoma talking about Notre Dame, I mean, Notre Dame, if they can get Luke Fickle home run, if they can get, uh, well, they can get Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator. I think that's a good triple young up and coming guy has been there a year, but you know, you never know with, you know, a coach leaving, you know, you don't want their, you know, leadership style to be learned from somebody that already left you. Um, But I think Notre Dame has two really good options in Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman. And so uh, I think both of those are good good candidates, but I would definitely want Luke Luke Fickle first. And uh, Hampton, I want to talk about Billy Napier for a second. Talk about a guy that needs good assistant coaches around him. I I like the Napier hire uh, from Louisiana to Florida, but that is a big, and I'm all capital letters big, jump that is a big jump from going to going to a place where louisiana they want to contend for conference championships they want to be good at football but you can lose two or three games a year and we'll be okay with it going to a place in florida where if you have one off year they're going to be calling for your head i mean they're going to take it and so that is some high expectations I, i know that um, well, I expect that Florida will be patient with him to kind of get things back to, to, way that, to the way they, they should be and they're supposed to be. Um, but you know, just talk about a guy that needs really good assistant coaches around him. Um, he's been with you know some of the best. He's coached with Nick Saban, I believe he's coached with Dabo Sweeney, so he's got the the resume to be successful. But he needs some help around him uh, in that. But uh, yeah, what, what do y'all think about those?
1: Um, Shep, go ahead and give your thoughts, man, on uh who you think um Notre Dame and OU should hire and what Graham had to say.
2: Yeah, I think um really the Napier Napier point I think is a is a very valid point. It's a, it's, I you know, as you all know, I'm a big Sunbelt guy. Um, you know, been going to Troy since I was a little kid, so obviously seeing them and really being around, like, seeing Louisiana play year after year, um, you, you see that conference, and, like, really the jump to the SEC is so much greater than even a jump to, like, you know, Conference US or not really Conference USA, but, like, Pac-12, um, some of the higher-up um, group of five. So, I mean, like, the Sun Belt is really, like, one of the lows of the lows. So I really think that recruiting aspect – is going to be something that he could potentially struggle with. I feel like in terms of like control of a group and um, leadership-wise, I feel like there will be no struggle there in losing a team. Um, I feel like it's more so going to be recruitment-wise, but when you're at a place like Florida, Florida kind of recruits itself, so that is a bonus there. Um, talking about Notre Dame, I think it's interesting uh, the Luke Fickle idea because I think there's a very valid point there that really, if you're going to be the head coach at Cincinnati, yes, you can be undefeated or you can have one loss, but you're probably not going to be in the college football playoffs. I mean, let's be honest, if this year if some of these top schools didn't really turn out like it has this year in all madness, like commenced basically, like would Cincinnati even really be considered? And they'd talk about it, but they wouldn't really be as high on them. So I think that move would definitely be interesting. Um, And it's interesting that um, to me, I would keep uh, Marcus Freeman. Um, He's their defensive coordinator. I think that would be the smartest hire Um, It would kind of keep their coaching staff very similar to what it is now and kind of keep the program intact more so than like a huge overhaul. But Marcus Freeman was at Cincinnati with with Luke Fickle. Um, But it's also reported that um, Brian Kelly wants him to come down to LSU and supposedly Marcus Freeman's interviewed at Duke. So there's a lot of moving parts within that that um, really I feel like Notre Dame could end up being the school that's kind of in a sense the Auburn of last year that's kind of left with the okay who do we choose we got to put something together really quickly there's not really a name that we go for Um, I think it's interesting Dan Mullen hasn't really been talked about a lot Um, I don't think he's in line for one of these major jobs but I mean you think about the, the SMU the Louisiana Tech, the, the, the Troys, the Louisianas, the smaller schools. And haven't really heard Dan Mullen even really mentioned in anything. That's kind of um, something to be kind of keeping an eye on. And then looking at Oklahoma, I think there's a couple names that – there's really three names that kind of jump out at me. Um, I know the Venables is a – basically seemed like a done deal yesterday, but nothing's really come out again. Um, since then, but I think Matt Campbell at Iowa state would be a really good hire. Um, I think he loves that program at Iowa state though. So I think it'd be really hard for him to kind of part ways with that. Um, but I also think Jamie Chadwell could be an interesting hire. He's at coastal Carolina.
0: Oh, really I brought like them that. up,
2: yeah. um, brought them up into D one. So, I mean, that's interesting. And also kind of a sleeper here that I don't know if he would be willing to leave, but I think Jay Norvell, um, over at Nevada would be an interesting hire. I think it would um, that program's kind of teetering on moving up in the in the, in the what are they them in Midwest or Mountain West Mountain West. yeah, so I mean, th- that program is on the rise. They've proven that he's proven that he can kind of develop a quarterback and some defensive talent. and so I feel like I feel like he could be a sleeper for um, some few big jobs here in the future, um, but I really I, – I, I don't know. I like Chadwell there. I, I think Chadwell, somebody who's a young guy who they can kind of take – I mean, you look at Venables, and he is a great defensive coordinator, and honestly, with your move to the SEC, you you should really be thinking about, okay, we want a defensive-minded coach, but at the same time, you also got to look at some of these young guys who – are at a place where, yes, their school is you know, top to middle of the road in their conference, but their offense is electric or their defense is playing well and they're, they're scoring points, they're exciting, someplace where really with Lincoln Riley leaving, the morale at Oklahoma is low. I mean, people transferring left and right, and I know Lincoln that happens is. at every school, but, I mean, you look at Oklahoma and ever since Lincoln Riley has announced – I mean, you got quarterbacks leaving. You got players leaving. You got commitments who have been strong commitments backing out. Just, I mean, at the snap of a finger, they need somebody in there who's going to be young blood, who's going to be excited to be there, who's going to understand the impact that it's going to be to move into the SEC. Um, And so that excites me. I think, I mean, I hate to say this, man, but you think about Dan Mullins. you know, departure from Florida, and you think about Auburn firing Mike Bobo. That that might could be a match made in heaven there for Brian Harsin. What do you? What do you? I mean, I, I don't know. It just interests me that Dan Mullins really is kind of like taking a back seat. I mean, is he going to be a saving protege and then go back into it? You know, I, it's definitely definitely a lot of movement within one year. Mm-hmm. That's like. Like think about Steve Sarkeesian, right? He last year takes the opportunity at Texas. Has struggled this year, albeit looked good at times and looked horrible at times. But I don't
1: know the times they look looked good, Chip. Other than well, no, like I mean, week. like
2: the first two games, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, you think I about guess. somebody like him who's like, okay, I, I made this jump, and now we're gonna move to the SEC. Mm-hmm. If I would have waited a year. All of these openings would have been here. So you think about like a an up and comer. I mean, let's take Bill O'Brien. That man was. There was reports that man to Virginia Tech was a done deal. There was Alabama fans sending in tithes to get that man gone. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Yeah. And then it's like, then they pull the rug out from under it, and now we're sitting like, dang, we could have just had Dan Mullen, or we could have had, you know, some other scrub that. That's backed out. So, I mean, this year is nuts. Like, it makes no sense. You can't even, like, you can't even begin to think about the phone calls behind the scenes that have have gone on. Like, there's no telling how many people called Lincoln Riley for openings. Like, there's no telling how many people called Brian Kelly. Like, you're thinking – like, we're talking major schools – who are brokering major deals with major coaches that are opening major jobs. I mean, it's just nuts. hmm No, absolutely. And um,
1: I really don't have a whole lot to add. I think Luke Fickle is the number one priority at Notre Dame. I like the Matt Campbell, um, you know, potential. I know he's done well at Iowa State, built that program from the ground up. Um, and I really think he's kind of reached his ceiling there. Um, so, but I think Luke Fick was the guy, and I think that's ultimately where he ends up. If I'm OU, um, i try to make a run at Lane Kiffin. I would try to get Lane Ooh. Kiffin to go to Norman. Um, maybe keep one of Radler or Williams around and kind of, um, you know, I, I think he fit in well there. Um, the facilities, the money that they would put behind them. Um, so, you know, I think he would be a good fit there. Um, but I'll, honestly, I, if I'm if I was Florida, and I don't know if they did or not, but I would have gone after Aranda. I said that last whoa, week whoa, on our show. I know, I know, I know. Soft <laughs> subject, um, but I would go after him. I think he's one of the hottest coaches out there. Um, and I think um, his, um, you know, his improvement this year from year one to year two with Baylor, I think he could do that pretty much anywhere. Um, he's that type of coach, so it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out, guys. But uh, before we get out of here, anybody got anything
0: else? Or are we good to wrap up the show? Hey, let me let me let me throw one more out there. Are y'all cool with Uh-oh. that? Yeah, no. go ahead, buddy,
2: dude. Chip right. Lindsay's not getting another job. <laughs>
0: This is this is what do you guys think about uh, man? So I actually thought that I thought that whenever uh Graham helped me out with this guy's name that came from uh McGuire, the guy who goes to Texas Tech, um Joy McGuire, who was a very good high school um, football coach in the state of Texas, came to Baylor under Matt Rule and uh whenever Matt rule left, he actually got an interview as the head coach. I think he might've been the assistant head coach with Aranda, and he seems to be Texas tech's guy. I am really interested to see how that turns out. I, I think we, we, we hear a lot of, uh, you know, assistants to head coaches or like even, you know, the occasional optimistic, uh, what would happen if like a NFL coach came to, uh, Came to college, but this is a high school head football coach that uh, that has kind of made his way through the ranks, and he's now at Texas Tech. And I thought that this dude actually nailed it because uh, their OC, Sony Chumby,
3: um, Sonny Cumby,
0: Cumby, um, he <laughs> he uh, he said that he was going to stay with Texas Tech, but now he's taking the uh, Louisiana Tech job. Um, I almost want to put a pin in, just like. This is an interesting hire. This is a very interesting hire, Hampton. Do you have any thoughts on this?
3: No, I do not.
1: What I about you, Graham? I, mean, so Graham? I
3: don't know much to... about it. <laughs> of course, Hampton doesn't know about it because he doesn't really keep up with the Such wide SEC, world of college SEC
2: he, biased. He, he Brandon, doesn't keep he up with the wide know.
3: world of college football like some of us do. He is uh, strictly honed in on uh, <clears throat> Alabama. Um, but uh, I, I think that that's a you know for Texas Tech that's a a grand slammer bust kind of hire. Like it it is, you talked about, you know, these other coaches are solid doubles, triples, home runs. I think the Texas tech's trying to hit a grand slam by hiring a guy that doesn't have coordinator experience, that doesn't have collegiate head coaching experience. You know what? It was very successful in high school and was able to translate that to a, uh, a college job, but respected enough to be an associate head coach for, uh, you know, two coaches uh, at Baylor and, you know, Two really successful, uh, you know, teams in those years. Um, so Texas Tech, you know, they fired a guy that was yeah, had a winning record, like <laughs> was like five and three, and they fired, you know, Matt Wells, like on his second year to go after um, this McGuire guy from Baylor. So I think it's a grand slam kind of hire that it, it it could end up working out really well for Texas Tech, but it could be uh, a big strikeout, especially with them already losing um sunny cumby and having some of that staff shake up um it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that um to see what texas tech does if they're you know kind of relevant in the next you know two or three years
2: graham
0: do you get this is the last thing i got you get the impression that he showed up and he had this really good pitch where uh sunny so, so how you say it sunny cumby um <laughs> Sonny like, Cumbie. he uh did you get the impression he showed up and it was like had these guys on board and he's like yeah like I'm vibing yeah dude let's build something special and then like about day three he's like oh no this dude's an idiot do you kind of get that <laughs> you kind of get that vibe like I don't know I think am I trying to make too much what do you think kind of happened to where they split off was it just a better opportunity
3: no I, I think it comes down to this um, you know Sonny Cumby was the interim there and did a, a pretty good job in his time, at, you know, as the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech. So for him, it was you know like the safest option to say I'll stick around next year to be the offensive coordinator, you know, try and build on our success, you know, that way at least have a paycheck next year. But I kind of figured he would be looking for other opportunities because you, you know not very many people like coordinators choose to stick around after they've been passed up for a job. Um, so I think Louisiana tech was kind of the first person that called his number and, uh, and, and they were able to to figure out something, um, that way. So to me, I, I don't think it's anything against McGuire. I think it's just, you know, Sonny Cumber, you know, felt overlooked. So he was going to go somewhere where he could be the guy.
0: Makes sense to me. Hampton back to you with the news. I,
2: well, Hampton, Hampton, before you wrap up, I'm sorry. I, I just got to ask one question for, uh, for a man in the heart of Texas here. Um, does Sonny Dykes leave in SMU to go to TCU? Chase, do you do you think that makes sense? Do you think he was at a place where he kind of reached his his max, and TCU offers more potential, or what do you what do you think was kind of the reason to jump ship there? Dude, I Graham says that this is
0: like a step up, and and maybe he can kind of speak more. I, about man, the per- I don't music. see that. Yeah, I. I'm kind of with you. I'm not, I'm more familiar with SMU than I am with TCU. Same. But dude, and I think just because they're kind of our rival, I think I'm kind of like biased, like of TCU. I I don't really like them. I don't really like their stadium. I don't like their colors, but I I don't, I don't feel like this is, I mean, you're in the same state, so maybe that's good, but this isn't like a Houston to TCU. Like, I don't know that it it just didn't really make sense to me. How did you, I don't know. How do, you, how do you kind of justify this move that uh, Sonny Dykes
2: made?
3: Sure. So, uh, you know, whatever.
2: <laughs> so sure. 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 <laughs> sure. Yes, yes sir.
3: I mean, just put it on a tee for me and let me swing. Um, so Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC. That leaves the Big 12 you know, wanting to add, uh, add teams. And who was left out of that? A big Texas school that we thought would take the next step that was having a really good year this year, that's SMU. They're left in the American conference trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to do next? And so, um, for Sonny Dykes to go to TCU is to go to a power five program to not even have to you know, move houses. I mean, you're just, you're just driving somewhere else to work. <laughs> um, TCU <laughs> has, you know, higher upside, um, SMU is a good program. Don't get me wrong, but they're a really good group of five program. They're not a, uh, you know, a good power five program. And so I think Sonny Dykes has kind of had several, you know, opportunities, been the head coach at Louisiana Tech, been the head coach at Cal. Um, and, you know, he did well at Louisiana Tech, kind of got the can at uh, at Cal and then went to, you know, SMU and, uh, you know, built up a successful, you know, several years where they were winning consistently. And I think that's what TCU wants, uh, somebody that's going to get them, eight wins every single year and then one year had that 10 12 win uh season and uh Gary Patterson just had been able to do that those past few years so uh big shoes to fill for Sunny Dykes for sure but uh you know I think that was his you know his best opportunity was to go to to TCU and to to build on that success
2: I
1: like that I think that's interesting hey I, um are we done talking about SMU and TCU hey,
2: and SMAs, bro? I'm done Texas, with this bum. Texas hey, Tech? Ship, all, all out. I'll say,
0: news. Shep, all out here. Last thing. La, Ship, I just would have said that it would have made more sense for LSU to hire Napier than for Sonny Dykes, in my mind, to go from SMU to TCU. But, um, Greg, I think, you have great, I think you have a great point, but I, I feel like that connection would have made more sense, but, uh, what, what's it, the? Brand I mean, news, Hampton? What, what's up? Bro? It would
2: kind of be like, it, it would kind of be like Will Anderson choosing to go to the transfer portal and not stay at Alabama. Like it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> wow,
1: what a comparison. rumors. Hey, you heard it
2: here first. Rumors going around Tuscaloosa. And I'm just playing. Exactly, I'm just playing. Really, i Hampton just had a mini stroke.
1: I'd I'd lose my religion if that happened. What? Um, so about 20 minutes ago Oklahoma Sooners compliance tweeted out the eye emoji and Uh-oh. the hundred sign okay
3: <laughs> what no, when did, no. when, did compl- when did compliance groups get twitters like, what does that even mean
1: well p- remember um, the famous last words of Hugh free saying if you have any Um, issues with what we're doing at Ole Miss. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they did, and he got fired. Well, (laughs) earlier this evening, Dominic Jackson, uh, big-time five-star cornerback out of California, said it's down between USC and and Alabama for his recruitment. Well, he mentioned in an article something about the Deep East coach from – USC coming over and we're trying to recruit him. Funny thing is he was out recruiting with Bob Stoops earlier this evening as a part of Oklahoma. So people think it's related to that. So I'm going to laugh if Lincoln Riley gets in trouble for, um, for maybe some potential recruiting violations that would make me, uh, that would make me pretty giddy. That'd be pretty that funny. That would tickle my fancy. that tickle my fancy too. But, uh, I think with that guys, we can we can wrap up after the um after the sun the sunny cumby, sunny dykes. Um, Sonny chumby chumby. Okay. Like that too. Uh, but uh good conversation on the coaching carousel. <laughs> um it's still not <laughs> over yet. There are more turns to be taken, and we will be here um monitoring each and every one. So thank you so much for joining us, Shep. Great to have you back on, man. Hope you can uh, keep on um, keep on joining us, hopefully, for the home stretch. Maybe we'll be celebrating an Alabama victory next week against the Georgia Bulldogs. But uh, for all those listening out there, we appreciate it. Um, be sure to follow us on social media. And we will be back next week talking um, – recapping conference championship weekend and hopefully some NFL action, if anything – Interesting happens with that, but the Pigskin Cafe is closed for now. But until next time, chew on that.